This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Majority Report, The Young Turks, The Media Matters Minute, The Tom Hartman Program, The David Pakman Show, MarkFiore.com, and The Rachel Maddow Show. Speaking of uh, right-wingers and their reaction to this, you've got Mike Huckabee saying that uh, this is a function of no God in the schools. And also, uh, coincidentally, the Iranian supreme leader, Ali Khamenei, says that um, the, the problem is a lack of religion, which is also the main reason for the school shooting. And now we see uh, Tea Party Nation on their website and sending to their group email, uh, their group email list, the, the, the Tea Party Nation head Judson Phillips blamed the school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut, essentially on teachers, union bureaucracy, and the presence of sex in popular culture. It's a long uh, email blast the guy sends out, but he mentions <clears throat> you should homeschool, take away the power of radicals in the classroom, back to right work uh, legislation for the public sector. Teachers unions have helped cement much of this in place. As long as we have groupthink in the classrooms, we'll never see the end of this. Why does this guy feel power uh, powerless? Why does he go in and shoot these people? He feels powerless because he has lived in an over-bureaucratized society, one, one run ultimately from faraway central location. Had George Zimmerman been at the front door instead of some mechanical card reader, those children would still be alive. I mean, these people are just clinically insane. Or just the lowest form of of opportunistic. Had you know, George how can I include there? George Zimmerman in this uh, post to raise more money for the Tea Party Nation? These people are just—they're just—they're just out of control. I—I I, I don't even know what to say. I gave you the stats about Australia and how they have a gun death rate that is 30 times lower per capita than the United States. In Japan in 2006, we had uh, two people killed from guns. Uh, at the same time in the U.S., we had over 10,000 killed by guns. But um, Tom Ridge has an interesting theory he'd like to share with us about how it's not guns, it's something else. We haven't even started talking about the corrosive influence of a violent-oriented world, TV, video games, shoot-to-kill video games. Right. When you're in the military, 
you learn that your target may shoot back. But you get in this digital world, this fantasy world that I think you take a look at the right. folks at Columbine, Aurora, etc. Suddenly, it's, it's a different personality you, type. You, oh, right, 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 right. It's all those video games. It's a good thing in Japan they don't play any video games. Oh, right, they play massive amounts of video games. In fact, a lot of the same video games we play. In 2006, two people gunned, died of gun violence in Japan. 10,000 in the U.S. Hmm, I wonder if it's the video games. Hey, do they show uh, movies in Australia? Pretty sure they do, right? How about in the U.K.? How about in the dozens of other countries that don't have anywhere near the gun violence that we have? Could it be that we all have guns in this country and they do not no probably not it's probably the video games and the movies well uh, democratic governor uh, hickenlooper of colorado agrees this is a serious concern certainly the culture of violence and, and look at the the level of of, of violence in our in our media uh, video games uh the depiction of these assault weapons again and again there there might well be some uh direct connection between People who have a mental instability and they, 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 when they go over the edge, they, they transpose themselves. They become part of one of those video games. And, and perhaps that's where, why all these assault weapons are used. Yeah, it's true. Once I was playing Pac-Man and I started gobbling up dots. But notice what the real agenda is. Look away from the guns, it's the video games, it's the movies, it's mental health, it's all these things. Now, are there mental health issues in some of these cases? Of course there are, right? But it's ridiculous and completely counterfactual to say that the movies and the videos are doing it when the movies and the videos are all over the world and we're crushing the rest of the world in gun violence. <laughs> As I told you before, 15 out of the 25 mass shootings in the last 50 years across the world happened in the U.S. 15 out of 25. They also have movies in other countries. And by the way, if all that wasn't clear enough, the Secret Service actually did a report on the, under the Bush administration on this very issue. They looked to see if video games had any connection uh, to these killings. And after they looked at all the data, they said there was no correlation. No connection whatsoever. Oops. But that's not their point point of all these politicians is whatever you do don't touch our friends at the NRA they pay us really well this is the media matters minute I'm Bradley Herring Following the tragic mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School, News Corp CEO Rupert Murdoch took to Twitter. He asked when politicians would, quote, find courage to ban automatic weapons. But Murdoch's call for an automatic weapons ban sharply contrasts with the extreme pro-gun rhetoric from Fox News commentators. Here is Greg Gutfeld after the Jovan Belcher murder-suicide discussing gun-related violence. Basically, when you're not arming people, you're actually creating a health hazard. Uh, a gun oh, is a vitamin of safety. That same day, Gutfeld laughed off stats from co-host Bob Beckel about murdered children. What do you mean by kids, by the way? Well, you show, show, give me an age. Yeah, give me an age. Five give me to an 17, age. Five to 17. What, what, what do you think that's from? Why don't you just say what it is? What is what's a 17-year-old who's killed by a gun? What do you call that, Bob? That's called gang violence. Where does that occur? Oh, Chicago. That's not, that you, there you saying, go. You're saying Welcome to Chicago. That's
Doesn't end with the Tea Party Nation. Doesn't end with um, Mike Huckabee. Here's Representative Louis Gohmert. Apparently, 36, I think it was. Anti-gun control. 31 so-called pro-gun rights senators. Coming up into the new Congress, we're invited on David Gregory's Meet the Press this weekend. None of them showed. What do you think... What do you think the average occurrence of one of those 31 senators getting invited to a weekend talk show on a major network, how often do you think they reject that? Once in a lifetime? Maybe? Never? All 31 of those pro-gun, so-called pro-gun senators rejected it. Louis Garamart, the Gomert, whatever his name is from Texas, goes on uh, Fox News, and this is what he had to say. Every mass killing of more than three people uh, in, in recent history has been in a place where guns were prohibited. These guns, except for one, they choose this place. They know no one will be armed. You know, having been a judge and having reviewed photographs of, of these horrific scenes and, and knowing that children have these defensive wounds, gunshots through their arms and hands as they try to protect themselves. And, and hearing the heroic stories of the principal lunging, trying to protect Chris, I wish to God she had had an M4 in her office locked up. So when she heard gunfire, she pulls it out and she didn't have to lunge heroically with nothing in her hands, but she takes him out, takes his head off before he can kill those precious kids. Now, we are to believe that the principal in this case, I don't know if it's just a principal, I, I, I don't know how many people Louis Garamut would want to uh, train in a school um, to shoot in, in an environment um, such as this. I mean, we know there was that shooting in New York City where the cops uh, shot a guy and bullets went everywhere. So you need to train them more, of course, than this guy who was brought to a... Um, apparently to a shooting range quite often. You need to train them to be able to shoot a killer amidst school children. I guess you'd need to train them. I mean, when would they have time to even learn how to be a teacher? It's just absurd. This is fantastical. It's crazy. I mean, we had some very well-trained... That mom, Nancy Lanza, was very well trained with her guns, wasn't she? And she ended up being the first victim from those. So in this instance, in fact, Louis Garment is absolutely wrong. This uh, mass killing started exactly in a place where there was someone who was very trained and very comfortable with guns. And her name was Nancy Lanza. And obviously, she couldn't prevent this. This is like the functional equivalent of like, hey, why don't we put tripwires in the schools? So if you show up and you haven't been invited, boom. Ridiculous. These are the same people who think teachers are greedy and get paid too much to begin with. And now they want, they think they should freaking be putting their lives on the line. Ridiculous. Well, they obviously already are.
Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. Beneath the stains of time The feelings disappear You know, on, on our TV show, on the big picture last week, I spoke with former, for a full half hour, so you can see it over at conversationswithgreatminds.com, Former Reagan and George H.W. Bush advisor Bruce Bartlett. Bruce worked in the White House. He was uh, he was an assistant undersecretary of the Treasury. He was a Republican strategist. He's you know he's got the best Republican credentials I think I've ever seen in my life. Not only is he a Republican, he's also a radical truth teller about the state of his own Republican Party today. Yes, he still calls himself a Republican. Here's a little clip of what he said to me last week. What, what I really, I really think, think, which is, which that, is they're that they're all either crazy or stupid. I mean, it's the, the things have changed so dramatically since uh, the days when I first got involved with the Republican politics, when uh, the Republican Party was the, the party of ideas, and now it's the party of crazy people, uh, ignorant Tea Party people, people who know nothing and are, are proud of it. When Bartlett was talking about those proud, ignorant, crazy people, he was also referring to the gun nuts who have taken over the halls of Congress and the rest of Washington's politics. Over the weekend, just 24 hours after the Connecticut shooting massacre, Bartlett made his views on gun control very clear, calling out the gun nuts on Twitter. On Saturday, he tweeted, Idea, restrict gun ownership only to the types of guns in existence when the Second Amendment was adopted. Good one. He followed that up on Sunday by tweeting, Southerners are the only ones who need guns to protect themselves from their own government. Bartlett even did the unthinkable. He called out Fox so-called news' coverage of the tragedy in Connecticut, tweeting, Fox bans gun control advocates. Fair and balanced my ass. End quote. Bruce Bartlett is the last of a dying breed. He's a sensible Republican. And that's a real, you know, that's a real tragedy both for the Republican Party and for America. That the party doesn't disavow the gun nut crazies it considers part of its base. Case in point, Larry Pratt, who's been a frequent guest on this program. Here he is talking to Chris Matthews. So you're like Sharon Angle out in Nevada, who said we need the Second Amendment rights when our politicians get out of hand. That's what the Second Amendment is all for. She's not making that up. So how would you use your Second Amendment rights if you didn't like the way your senator or congressman was representing you? Well, uh, we have a political action committee and we try to beat... beat no, but how would you use here. your Second Amendment rights, which you're now extolling? Uh, by being prepared. We, to do we don't have to go and, and to shoot anybody. What? Well, what do you have? The threat, though. I think it bothers lawmakers that we do have that capability, and sometimes they kind of let it loose when they're not uh, quite in control. So, Larry, so, it's not just the right to use guns to protect your home. It's the right to use guns to take on your government. The, the government uh, has been uh, overboarded. Yeah, 
Pratt actually said that Americans should be ready to take on our elected officials with guns. This is an echo of Nevada Republican Senate candidate Sharon Angle's comments that if Republicans don't get their way in Congress and with the White House, Republicans should be ready with Second Amendment remedies. Our founding fathers, they put that Second Amendment in there uh, for a good reason, and that was for the people to protect themselves against a tyrannical government. In fact, you know, Thomas Jefferson said it's good for a country to have a revolution every 20 years. I hope that's not where we're going, but, you know, if this, this Congress keeps going the way it is, people are really looking toward those Second Amendment remedies. They're saying, my goodness, what can we do to turn this country around? And I'll tell you, the first thing we need to do is take Harry Reid out. For the record, Thomas Jefferson called for a constitutional convention every 19 years, not a revolution every 20. Anyhow, you see, it's nothing new. Republicans and their gun-nutter base have been talking like this for years. They even have cute little rationalizations for it. Here's John Lott, also a frequent guest on this program. This is my research. I've talked to dozens of people who have been present at these horrible events over time. And the feeling of utter helplessness is just overwhelming for these individuals. I mean, it's hard to think of something more terrifying than being helpless there when one of these attacks occur. Look, there's one common feature across these attacks. All, the ones that the president mentioned, you go back to from 1950 at least on, with only one exception, all the multiple victim public shootings have occurred where more than three people have been killed, have occurred where guns are banned. We try to make an area safe by banning guns. But what happens is it's the law-abiding good citizens who obey the ban and not the criminals. Ah, uh, yeah, the good old more guns cause less violence argument and sort of a gun-based variation on their 2012 theme that more rapes would equal fewer pregnancies. Remember that, Todd Akins? Michael Moore, you know, if only the first victim, by the way, the... This kid's house, his first victim was his mom. His, this kid's house was not a place where guns were banned, contrary to what John Lott just said. So Michael Moore tweets, if only the first victim, this young man's mother, had been a gun owner, she could have stopped this before it started. Right. Of course, you know they were her guns. That... Anyhow, there's this also gem from Tea Party Congressman Louis Gohmert. And hearing the heroic stories of the principal lunging, trying to protect Chris, I wish to God she had had an M4 in her office locked up. So when she heard gunfire, she pulls it out and she didn't have to lunge heroically with nothing in her hands. But she takes him out, takes his head off before he can kill those precious kids. Yep, nothing says safe learning environment like a teacher having a military grade assault rifle under her desk. These are not the things that normal, rational people say. Our nation has given airtime and entertained legislation from the crazy gun nuts in Washington for far too long. And in the meantime, every decade, nearly a million Americans are shot and far more are killed than by Osama bin Laden. So my suggestion, go to callcongress.org to get the phone numbers, you can call your members of Congress and tell them to stand up to the NRA. If you're a Republican, let your party leaders know you're sick of the gun violence in this country. And let your news media know you're tired of the crazies dominating the debate on the air. Because one day, 
your life too might depend on. You hear all the time from the right, oh, Second Amendment gives you an individual uh, right to bear arms, that's it. And in fact, the Supreme Court, uh, under the massive hypocrite uh, Scalia, said that you have a right to a handgun. Now, he's the guy who keeps saying the Constitution is not alive. He recently said it is dead, dead, dead. You must strictly interpret the framers' uh, intent. And, this, and the language of the Constitution. Now, in the language of the Constitution, of course, in the Second Amendment, it says that you need a state militia. That's why you have a right to bear arms. He just ignores that first part of the Second Amendment. Just ignores it. Ah, don't worry about that language. Street construction, my ass. Okay? I'm just going to say that, uh, yeah, you have an, uh, this right to handguns that is unlimited. Now, what's interesting is he doesn't say an unlimited right to weapons. He says handguns are the most popular form of self-defense in America, hence you have a right to handguns. Now wait a minute, where in the Constitution did it talk about handguns? I thought you were a strict constructionist. Now this is the same guy who said, oh, where in the Constitution does it talk about trimesters? The first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, Roe versus Wade is ridiculous. Really? Where in the Constitution does it talk about the difference between an assault rifle and a handgun? Oh right, it doesn't. You made that up. Now what's also interesting is, that the Second Amendment was not always interpreted this way. In fact, it was interpreted quite the opposite way. Did you know that the Founding Fathers were in favor of gun control? Now, you don't often hear that, right? You know who else was in favor of gun control? The NRA. In the 1920s and 30s, they were one of the biggest groups demanding gun control. The NRA initially started uh, by two guys who were in the, in the Civil War. They fought on the Union side, and they were so mad that the they were the union side were terrible marksmen they want to teach them how to be better marksmen in case they had to go to another war with the south or anybody else it was not to protect their homes it was to if they need to re-enlist and go back to war and throughout all the different years until you got into the late 1970s the nra was about marksmanship at times strict gun control sportsmanship etc in 19 in the late 1970s they do a coup overnight in the nra and there was a radical right group that said, no, we should change the whole focus of the NRA. And what it should be is an individual right to bear arms. We have that unlimited right. And they take the NRA in that direction. Now, at the time, the court thinks it's ridiculous. And, and by the way, it, these strict constructionists apparently never read the first sentence of the Constitution. Second Amendment, how about this first sentence of the Constitution? We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. But domestic tranquility and the general welfare be damned, because somebody's got to sell some guns. 
And the NRA, instead of becoming a group that represents gun owners and their members, becomes a group that represents gun manufacturers that is much more interested in pushing out guns. But when they do that, they run into opposition in the courts. Because the Second Amendment has never been interpreted that way. In fact, Warren Burger, who was not a liberal justice, he was a conservative justice, the chief justice. When they presented him with the idea that the Second Amendment gives you an individual right to bear arms, he called that argument, quote, a fraud. A fraud. That is a conservative justice. And that's not 1870 or 1920s. Now, we're in the 19, late 1970s, early 1980s now. But the NRA changes, Reagan comes in, and they begin to change the whole idea. And what they do is they fund think tanks. And what do the think tanks do? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Constitution has always said that it's an individual right to bear arms. When, in fact, the Supreme Court didn't think that, and the Founding Fathers didn't think that, and that was not conventional, was it? But here's my favorite part. Orrin Hatch, who was a senator back then as well, Republican senator from Utah, says that he found an old document that shows that, oh, secretly, they had this idea all along. I love one phrase in particular. According to his commission report, it claimed to find clear and long-lost proof that the Second Amendment to our Constitution was intended as an individual right of the American citizen to keep and carry arms in a peaceful manner for the protection of himself, his family, and his freedoms. Now, I love that for two reasons, because one, it shows you at the time, again, late 1970s, early 1980s, they think, well, obviously, everybody realizes it is not an individual right. So we have to pretend that we were right all along, and we found a long-lost document that shows that we were right when everybody realizes at this point, or thinks at this point, that we are wrong, that that is not the right that the Second Amendment gives you. And the second reason why I love it is, Oh, well, what do I have here? Yeah, yeah. They have a long-lost document. That's the ticket. And it tells me that it's an individual right to bear arms. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, and the think tanks agree with me that are paid by the gun manufacturers. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. And what did they do? And this is the amazing part. They won. They repeated that propaganda over and over and over again until people forgot that that's not true, that's not the way the Supreme Court had ruled, that's not the initial intent of the founders. And then people were like, well, I, it's always been an individual right to bear arms, that's what the Second Amendment says. So by the time Scalia issues his ruling in 2008, people forgot what a giant hypocrite he is. That that is not the strict construction of the Constitution. That was not the intent of the Founding Fathers. That it was a lie all along. That's how they duped this country, into having this sea of weaponry that we have now, so those gun manufacturers can make more money. It was a brilliant propaganda campaign, and unfortunately, worked incredibly well.
all you freedom lovers, libertarian style out there, I know you don't consider uh, Rick Perry to be a, a pure libertarian, uh, but uh, he's no. But one thing he does share with Gary Johnson is the love of guns, and his understanding that uh, we got to be free to carry around weapons of of killing weapons. And uh, here is uh, Rick Perry talking to his. Uh, his minions in Texas somewhere. There's a report uh, on Rick Perry uh, coming out with a solution uh, for what happened for the, uh, the uh, horrible tragedy that happened in uh, Newtown. To have access to, uh, to weapons in, in their school. And, and that, I would suggest... The crowd erupted in applause when Governor Perry even alluded to arming Texas teachers. He said he's in favor of letting local school districts decide if guns on campuses could mean safer campuses. Speaking to the Northeast Tarrant County Tea Party. So we're going to allow local school officials to make the determination of this, uh, this notion of whether or not guns in their particular schools are a good idea. That doesn't seem to be a terribly thoughtful process. I wonder how much statistical knowledge each one of these principals are going to have about the, the uh, relative safety that is involved in having everybody armed to the teeth in their schools. But, of course, he's uh, talking to the uh, Tea Party guys, and so uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll do that. Four days after a young gunman killed 20 children inside a Connecticut school, he called the massacre evil but said knee-jerk gun control legislation from Washington, D.C. is not the answer. In the state of Texas, with our concealed handgun license, if you go through the process and you have been uh, duly backgrounded and trained and you are a, uh, a concealed handgun license carrying uh, individual, you should be able to carry your handgun anywhere in this state. Freedom. It's about freedom. We I'm going to shoot some bad guys. I'm going to get my man card reissued. We don't need any knee-jerk reactions adding gun control laws. Right. Quick, on the teachers! On the teachers! <laughs> Give them guns! Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm With Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at Majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby, comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker, and on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm. Let's get into some of these stories. We've heard from the NRA and many others that what we need to solve the gun violence problem 
is a mental health database, basically a list of people who are determined by someone to have some kind of a, a, a mental health issue. Now, this could include if you get nervous when you fly, you go and you get Ativan from your doctor. All of a sudden, you're on the list, which the NRA says will really help to solve the gun control problem. The problem with this is the Wall Street Journal looked into this, and Salon has an awesome write-up about this, that 75% of states already are ignoring the mental illness checks for gun buyers. In other words, we already know this doesn't work for a bunch of different reasons. Not only putting aside for a second, Monty, the potential HIPAA issues with right. this, and putting aside the fact that does it really make sense to have more documentation about people who get out of van for flying than people who buy ammunition from their neighbor? Right? That, let's put that aside for a second, the ridiculousness of that. Federal law prohibits sales of guns to anyone who's been declared mentally unfit by a court. And there's a Bill Clinton bill from his first term where uh, states have to report these records to the FBI. In 1997, the Supreme Court threw out the requirement. So it was still essentially a law, but states can just choose to share or not share whatever they want. Now, 12 states account for almost all of these records, which tells us that there's a lot of states. 19 states, for example, submitted less than 100 mental health records to the FBI database. Is this just lackadaisical reporting or is this an axe to grind against this database it's hard to say i, I mean the the um we, th this investigation found that 19 of the states received a waiver from the justice department to allow some people with court documented mental illness the ability to buy guns anyway so basically it's a combination of things we already have a law about this mental illness gun buying thing which the supreme court basically said don't worry about States have been ignoring it, and individuals have been able to obtain waivers saying, even though I am on the list, and even though it's been reported, which is the minority, I'm going to get a gun anyway. What a great solution. It's obvious that just broadening this mental health database is going to solve all the gun violence. And I think it's interesting that that is their big, the NRA's big fix-all to this, instead yeah. of another database, potentially, that may uh, have it, to do with their guns. It's a distraction, right, Natan? Because this is evidence that it, already on a smaller scale, the mental health database is basically not effective. Right, and I would add a couple more points. Number one, uh, what happened on the Sandy Hook shooting is something totally different, which is someone who may have been mentally ill took someone who isn't mentally ill's guns. Well, even that's questionable. Nancy Lanza, she was a apocalypse right. person. Which it, brings yeah. me to point number two, which is that you can't really depend on having each person person who may be questionable in terms of owning a gun be declared unfit by a court. That's right. just not possible to do. So this doesn't make any sense. And not to mention that this doesn't take into account illegal guns. So no question about it. Go. And and really the other issue is when we talk, what is the argument for having more extensive documentation of interactions with mental health professionals than just saying, well, we need full documentation on every gun and all ammunition sold? How can you justify having one and not the other? It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's passing the buck to some other problem that is a legitimate problem, I think, in this country, access to mental health care and, and mental health and keeping track of those people, making sure they're getting the help that they need. Right. But to say, that's their problem and don't think about our guns or our ammunition ever. It doesn't make any sense. Right. But I think there's one more thing I would add. The yeah. other thing is a lot of these shooters are not really mentally ill in the traditional sense of the word. Like, no, a court when, would not find them unfit. Exactly. And they wouldn't even, they haven't gone to see a therapist. They don't have any traditional illness. They're just people who are alienated. They end up committing a violent act. But that doesn't mean they're mentally ill. Right, That which is the other part, which is with the people who end up committing these acts, 
even show up if we did any of this screening, and we don't know that they would. At nine, I wake up with a sheet soaking wet and a freight train running through the middle of my head, and you, you cool my desire. Sometimes it's like someone took a knife, baby, edgy and dull and cut a six-inch valley through the middle of Moscow. After a media silence that I think everyone in the country noticed, uh, including not only mainstream media but also Twitter and Facebook, the NRA has finally come out with their official position uh, after the shootings last Friday in, uh, in Sandy Hook Elementary. Uh, and that's Wayne LaPierre, the chief lobbyist for the NRA, came out. And he had a number of statements. Uh, from my point of view, each one more comical than the last. Why don't we, why don't we start with his first a little uh, segment? Politicians passed laws for gun-free school zones. And in doing so, they tell every insane killer in America that schools are the safest place to inflict maximum mayhem with minimum risk. There were, seemed to be a couple of logical issues with that. John, what happens to these shooters usually at, at the end of these shootings in the schools? Typically the final person that they shoot is themselves in the head almost every time. They're either, they kill themselves or they're hauled away by the police. It seems like 100% risk actually and they don't seem to mind it at all. Gun-free zones are a signal to killers. I only wish that there had been someone armed at Fort Hood to stop that shooting. That's a oh, point. that's a devastating point. Mm -hmm. I, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, just God. one armed guy there maybe could have stopped that shooting. And then, second of all, uh, we uh, went back and looked at based on what Michael Schur uh, sent out uh, at Columbine. There was an armed guard. Armed guard got into a shootout with Eric Harris. He would normally ate in the cafeteria. Neil Gardner was his name. He normally ate in the cafeteria with the students. He was like called a community resource officer, and he was at Columbine. But uh, for whatever reason, he was eating in his squad car with like the deputy principal that day, and uh, and they got a call saying come around back. He went around back, heard shooting, saw smoke, kids uh, streaming out of the building, and he eventually got into a significant shootout with I, it looked like from what I read uh, with Eric Harris. Yeah. How was that not reported? I think yeah, it not even in bullying for I've never heard about right. that before. Yeah, it's amazing. And so it turns out the armed guard didn't work, but nonetheless, the NRA thinks it's onto something here. Yeah. Let's keep it going. How many more copycats are waiting in the wings for their moment of fame? From a national media machine that rewards them with wall-to-wall -wall attention, how can we possibly even guess how many? Given our nation's refusal to create an active national database of the mentally ill. So, two things there. Number one, uh, let's divert all the attention away from guns mm -hmm. and let's uh, pick other things to blame. Don't politicize it, except for when I blame the media. Right. Okay, that was point number one. And number two, don't politicize it until I blame the mentally ill. Which, by the way, uh, statistics show that the mentally ill are not more prone to do these acts of violence than the uh, regular Americans. Yeah, and this is why, the, while it seemed reasonable, and I, and I'm sure you guys, I certainly, I won't, I'll speak only for me, fell into the trap of saying, well, it seems reasonable to talk about mental illness. 
and it still seems reasonable to talk yep. about people with mental conditions mm -hmm. regarding this in some ways. This is why it isn't. This is why the conversation can be about nothing yeah. except guns, because it's exactly what these guys want to do. Yeah, and so understand, look, if you find a particular condition that leads more to violence, I, I, I would be predisposed to believing that. We'd have to have r real thoughtful conversation about that rather than, yeah, cause my old mentally ill, right? Yeah. Uh, because there's, also, there's an enormous range of mental illness, and most of it does no harm whatsoever, right? So now the second thing is you're not going to do a registry of guns to find out like who's might be using an illegal gun, whatever, a million reasons why you'd want a registry. But you're going to register people with mental illness. So they're going to go around and try to find all the people who, I don't know what, are autistic, Look, it's the who are, have what, Down syndrome? What harm yeah. are the they going to do? The worst thing he said, this guy has no business, this guy is David Duke, man, as far as whether he should be embraced in sort of popular media, whether he should be accepted as part of the mainstream media, as spokesman, we should take seriously. You want to have a registry of people who have mental conditions? I mean, I got, that's a blacklist. That let's will be get on the that, internet in about three days. Yeah, let's get that together. Then nobody will get hired. Who decides what is significant? You're going to call autism and Asperger's that? People who are less disposed to violence than the three of us sitting right here? Yeah. That's crazy. Here's what that is. Let's call that a blacklist. We'll make that list. And then we'll keep those people from working in whatever industry they want to. Then we'll all be safe. And, and by the keep way, them out of the workplace, keep them out of schools. The whole point of it is to say these are the people who might do the shootings. Totally. I mean, because he's doing it yeah. in the context of the shootings. That's why he's saying in order to prevent the shootings, let's create this blacklist of people who might do it. It's not gun owners, it's the mentally ill. And I, I, I would, I, you know, maybe you could agree with him if one time at the end of a shooting uh, somewhere you'd been able to find a neighbor who said, I don't know, he just seemed like a regular guy. <laughs> yeah, that's only happened 99% of the uh, time. I fuck that guy. That's yeah. the worst part that they've said, this idea that we're going to take that we're going to take the people, the most vulnerable people we have in society and we're going to mock them and ostracize them. Let's make them I tell you what, here's this, forget the blacklist idea. And I you know as a working for TCM how I feel about the blacklist. Um Here's what they should do. Let's give them like some sort of marker that they could wear on their clothes to show that they were mentally ill, like a star or something. Just a five-point star, not a six-point star. They're not Jewish, we're crying out loud. Let's yeah. put that on their clothing, and that way we'll always know where they are. But Ben, on the other hand, though, if you did that to gun owners, I'm sure Wayne LaPierre would also agree. Totally, yeah. That's yeah. all. Exactly mm. right. Yeah, let's have a registry of people who have it's like an unhealthy, in my opinion, obsession with guns. They are members of multiple. How dare you, you fascist! Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You fascist! Yeah. Yeah. No, do it to others. Don't do it to the people who we represent. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just going to say. Uh, possibly vying for worst thing that he said. We have his actual policy uh, prescription, which is coming up in this next clip. If we truly cherish our kids more than our money, more than our celebrities, more than our sports stadiums, we must give them the greatest level of protection possible. I call on Congress today to act immediately to appropriate whatever is necessary to put armed police officers in every single school in this nation. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. 
So if we cherish them more than our celebrities and our sports teams, notice he doesn't mention cherish them more than our guns, yeah. for instance. Oh, that's a great point. And so, shockingly enough, it turns out the position of the NRA, after they said they would put a lot of thought into <laughs> how, and, and they would do introspection, they would look inwards, and, and it turns out that their policy proposal is more guns. Wow, I didn't see that coming. The only thing that could stop a bad guy with an RPG, by the way, is a good guy with an RPG. Mm -hmm. And the only guy who can stop a, a, a bad guy with a nuke is a good guy with a nuke. So, I mean, obviously Wayne LaPierre yeah. is right. Let's Mi give everybody nuclear Military, weapons. as Bloomberg said, working on those nuclear-tipped rifles. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to give a good guy a nuclear-tipped rifle. Yeah, I don't know why we don't have armed drones over each school. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll so, because the only thing that stops weaponry is more weaponry, if you believe that. All right, look, what this guy is, is a pimp, and not in a good way. He's a pimp for the gun manufacturers. So, if a, after a tragedy involving prostitutes, if the largest pimp in the country came out and did a pro-prostitute speech, the only thing that cures hookers is more hookers, <laughs> okay, which would be an Let's interesting argument. That theory. Right. I'm not sure that people would take him seriously. They might laugh. Right, and here comes the pimp for the gun manufacturers saying, "Hey, after guns have been used in massacre after massacre, my idea is more guns." Mm -hmm. The uh, um, why don't we just let people have grenades? Mm -hmm. That's you know? Steve-O's point. Right. Yeah. I mean, grenades. There's no. You can't buy a grenade in this country, but it seems to me that you could buy a grenade. These guys would have used grenades. But the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a grenade is a good guy with a grenade. I'd like to see, uh, that would be great, to see people sort of square off hurling grenades at each other. Hello America, it's me, Shoot 'em Up Charlie, with my pals Wayne and Dave, here to introduce our new line of bumper stickers. You may have seen our recent press conference about gun violence. Well, now we're turning those words into bumper sticker action. First up, guns don't kill people, gun-free schools kill people. And if more guns were allowed in schools, they'd be much smarter and less likely to fall in with crazy people. Then we have Honk, if you want thousands and thousands of mentally ill people registered and tracked by the government. Not to mention a five-day waiting period before they can talk to anyone. Then there's, never mind the gun, beware the evil liberal media planting seeds of insanity in some gun owners' heads. And of course, guns don't kill people, hurricanes kill people, and somehow relate to shooting massacres. And then there's, don't blame me, I don't play video games or watch movies. And put America back to work. Guns in schools mean jobs. Or if we can armor the president's limo, why can't we make kids' clothes bulletproof? And you can have my gun lobby when you can pry off the hands of the largest gun manufacturers. And our personal favorite, guns don't kill people, 
Guns don't kill people. I don't know, maybe it's the weather. Or music videos, or Woody Harrelson, or a low-pressure system or something. But it's not the guns, right? Right, fellas? Speaking of myths surrounding gun control, we talked about this Chronicle of Higher Education article, which pointed out a lot of myths that are common to both the left and the right about guns and gun control. One of them is this idea that the, an, an assault weapons ban, or assault weapons per se, are really the, the, the problem here. When really, when we look at homicide and the, you know, the plurality of these crimes, it's handgun crime. Mm -hmm. And conservatives are now going completely nuts about the plan from Senator Dianne Feinstein, Democrat from California, to in January introduce a bill that would reinvigorate parts of the assault weapons ban which has expired, but also add in some new things. And if you look on our website, you can see a summary of the entire legislation. It includes a bunch of different, different stuff. Now, am I glad that handguns are included in this? Yes, I am. However, I actually don't see that much of a reason for conservatives to flip out because there are so many workarounds, as there often are. For example, the bill would ban the sale, transfer, importation, or manufacturing of 120 specifically named firearms, which includes rifles, handguns, so on and so forth. The problem is that you can just say, okay, well, if this is the specific model, then we can just work around that and create new models. Or give it a new name. Or give it a new name. Now, it, it, the law does go further because it bans a lot of characteristics, including detachable magazine, uh, military characteristics, a lot of different things which would say, well, it doesn't matter if you're, even if you're coming up with new models, we're going to ban a lot of particular uh, traits here. But between the amount of, of products that will be grandfathered in and the workarounds that manufacturers will obviously come up with, the idea that this is some kind of an infringement on the Second Amendment is just silly. The constitutional arguments make no sense to me here. It's a well-regulated militia, right? Well, and that's the other thing about that is when we talk about well-regulated, Natan, weren't you saying that a lot of people misinterpret the meaning of that? I've heard that too, actually. Yeah, that I it's mean, not talking honestly, about regulation, but that it's regulated trained. in the sense of uh, uh, equipped, in other words. Right, That's Natan? exactly right. I mean, I'm, I'm the first person to say that uh, we need to repeal the Second Amendment or have a fifth liberal justice on the Supreme Court to change the opinions they decided a couple of years ago. However... Um, in terms of what the founders meant, I think it's pretty clear well-regulated means well-provisioned, well-armed. Right. Now, what is the, the, the definition of being in a militia? I mean, right, isn't that part of it also, that it's for... It's part for of a, the debate, for it's, sure. It's for a militia. The, the, I actually think that the language debate is somewhat of a distraction. I, I understand that constitutional law uh, uh, fetishists will get involved in the placement of the comma and all of this Antonin Scalia stuff which determines, well, what exactly was meant when this was originally written. And people say that I somehow hate the Constitution when I say stuff like this. But to me, the idea of analyzing commas when we're talking about firearms 
written at a time where almost nothing that now exists in the firearms world even was conceived of at the time, it just doesn't seem that relevant to go after the commas. Well, it could, depending on what you, maybe your definition of regulated means, depending on what your definition of militia means. Fine. If, it, if you were to go and be a strict constitutionalist yeah. and find that a handgun never fits any of these definitions, right. even if you're a Scalia-type constitutionalist, you may have to then say, the comma's in the right place and, and well-regulated <laughs> means this, and, there, and thusly, we'll have to ban handguns or assault rifles. What do you think about that, Natan? I mean, how much, how, are these, is this even really where the focus should be on, on the, the placement of commas in the Constitution? I, I wish it weren't the case that five people on the Supreme Court determine what the policy will be for 320 million people, but it is. That's what's going on here. If, uh, you know, if we had a fifth liberal justice right now, we would be able to have stringent controls on handguns, and now we can't. But sometimes the beauty of the Constitution is in the minutiae. The devil is in the details. And is so it, is when that, you would you call that the beauty of it? Sometimes. <laughs> the tyranny and the beauty. <laughs> okay, I mean, I guess beauty is in the eye of the beholder, well, right, is what we can say. Because yeah. those same words may protect some of the... the freedoms that you hold that's dear. true but no, that's Monty's true. getting to the key point here which is that it's not about the constitution it's about how you interpret it and what the way the policy is determined by how these people interpret it that's all that matters yes that is it, legally that seems to be the only thing that matters and at it this was point. recently reinterpreted so that individual gun ownership is now under the second amendment so there you have it the devil is in the details it's just the particular devil that you don't like i was living in a devil town didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Do you remember when the White House rickrolled millions of people on Twitter? Uh, if you are fortunate enough to not know what rickrolling is, allow me to demonstrate, it was back in July 2011, uh, the White House tweeted the following. Fiscal policy is important, but it can sometimes be dry. And then they pasted a link there for people to click on. And when you clicked on the link to find out about this dry fiscal policy thing, this is what happened when you clicked on the link. You have been Rickrolled. Congratulations. Uh, a Rickroll is an internet made you look prank. You promise somebody that they're going to see something cool and interesting and new, then they click on the link and they get this. Always this. It's not like any song, it's always this song and this video. It's a song from 1987 by a man who I'm sure is a very nice person named Rick Astley. Uh, but his name is Rick and so it's Rickrolled. This is an old online joke. And yes, it's weird and it is annoying, but it's annoying on purpose. It's annoying because you not only don't get to see the noteworthy thing you were promised, that you were interested in enough to click,
but you also get this song stuck in your head and it stays there forever. It's the Rick Roll, okay? Well, earlier this week, the National Rifle Association announced that they would be holding a major press conference to respond to the shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. And at this press conference, they said they would offer meaningful contributions to help make sure that nothing like Sandy Hook ever happens again. Seems like a big deal that the NRA did that, right? They never really say things like that after their shootings, after mass shootings. They never, for example, call press conferences. It's not how they usually handle it. Would this actually be a new and different message from the NRA? Was the NRA prepared to change, sing a different tune? At the press conferences this morning, they were still teeing us up, right? We were ready to hear some never-before new ground from the NRA. The nation tuned in expectantly. What would happen? At the end of this conference, we will not be taking questions, but next week we will be available to any uh, of you who uh, are interested in talking about these or other issues of interest to you. So contact us, please, at that point. Thank you very much. Wayne? Good morning. The National Rifle Association, four million mothers, fathers, sons and daughters, join the nation in... Same old thing and it's going to be stuck in my head forever. They rickrolled us. The NRA rickrolled the whole country. They promised us something that sounded new, something that sounded meaningful, something you thought maybe this time would be a, a change and be worth tuning in for, something you hadn't heard before from this very important group, right? But then you tuned in, you clicked, and what you got is something that they have always done and that you have heard many, many times before. There exists in this country, sadly, a callous, corrupt, and corrupting shadow industry that sells and stows violence against its own people. Through vicious, violent video games. I mean, we have blood-soaked films out there. A thousand music videos, and you all know this, portray life as a joke, and they play murder, portray murder as a way of life. And throughout it all, too many in the national media, their corporate owners, and their stockholders act as silent enablers, if not complicit co-conspirators. Video games, movies, music videos, the media all to blame. At one point he blamed hurricanes for whatever is the bad thing that happens next, but definitely not guns. And this blame everything except guns, this is not a new PR strategy for the NRA. This is what they always, always do. We believe that people adjudicated mentally incompetent by a court of law should be prevented from owning guns. As discussions continue in the weeks ahead, and I know they will, we're going to have many, many discussions in the weeks ahead, we'll take our responsible place at any gathering that seeks meaningful solutions in this country as long as they do not erode even a little bit the freedoms this association exists to protect. 
that was as far as they've ever been willing to go in the past. That was Wayne LaPierre at the NRA conference in 1999, not two weeks after the Columbine shootings. That was what they said was their meaningful contribution back then to support something that was already the law. This, this is what the NRA does. Puts the blame on everyone and everything other than the one thing that they do not want to talk about, which is guns. Hey, Jay, this is Todd from an Occupied Los Angeles. Um, I just wanted to say, one, you know, great. I, I always love your show, but, I mean, lately you've really, really been nailing it. I mean, the last few episodes have been brilliant, and I love, like, the new sources and stuff that you've been getting, you know, and, and I mean, I think progressive journalism's doing a really good job, or else you wouldn't be able to do your job so well. Um, so I just wanted to give a big thumbs up and a thank you for that. Uh, I also wanted to put out an activist call to action. I was recently reading in the Village Voice uh, how Strike Debt has started uh, mailing out little uh, gift boxes that uh, let people know that they've bought their debt and forgiven their debt. For people who don't know what Strike Debt, or also known as the Rolling Jubilee is, uh, Occupy Wall Street, Occupy London, and some others, Occupies got together and what they are doing is raising funds to buy people's debt on the secondary market. Now they've already raised enough money and have started buying over $10 million worth of people's personal debt, focusing first, you know, on uh, medical debt. So I'd really encourage people to uh, check out strikedebt.org, S-T-R-I-K-E-D-E-B-T.org and donate whatever you can because, um, you know, with just 5000 bucks, they can buy a million dollars worth of debt. Um, so stay awesome. Keep up the good work. Bye. Hi, Jay. Chuck in Salt Lake City. I wanted to comment uh, on uh, the, uh, elo- the very eloquent call at the end of the last show regarding the, the mentally ill and marginalizing them, etc., you know, my wife and I have children in school, and so we spent many hours discussing the dynamics of uh, that horrific shooting last week. Uh, my initial feelings were typically lefty. <laughs> I wanted to blame gun culture and religious patriotism, gun proliferation, etc. My wife, uh, who was born in Argentina, really made me think twice. Um, she has been, since I've known her, shocked at the number of diagnosed mentally ill in this country, and even more shocked at the medicatedness of our society. Sure, that's not a word. While I certainly do not want to be in the business of marginalizing the mentally ill, it cannot be ignored that all of the shooters in in our recent history in these mass killings were medicated. I think whether they were mentally ill or not uh, is you know, is, is up for debate. Um, I think we over-medicate people, and and uh, even if they were mentally ill, I think often we do men- over-medicate the mentally ill. Meanwhile, the vast majority of gun owners are responsible and not hurting anyone. You know, one of the things that the left 
often overlooks is that there are so many guns in this country that, uh, you know, if the guns themselves were the problem, then there would be even more murder and mayhem than there already is, you know, and I'm certainly not trying to say that we don't have a problem. Um, I think we have a really serious problem, but I don't see a path to getting that done through, uh, you know, to solving that problem through gun control. There has to be another issue going on here, and, you know, let's... Let's let's be careful not to put the mentally ill in a corner or to marginalize them, but I think we need to be equally careful not to ignore the elephant in the room. Mentally ill people with guns kill children indiscriminately far too often. Thank you, Jay, for all your hard work. Hi, Jay. This is Becca from Oakland, California, calling. I'm kind of behind on listening to the podcast, so I just heard the Ishmael quote that you read weeks ago. But I just wanted to call and say that I love that book, and I'm glad that you're sharing it on your program. My dad gave it to me when I was in junior high, and I think it should be required reading. At the end of the section you read, Ishmael basically says, where there's a will, there's a way. And I think this particular point is so timely when it comes to climate change. Um, why are we as human beings lacking the will to stop killing ourselves when it comes to climate change? I think it's so ridiculous that citizens are having to fight their governments to save their own species. What is it going to take? How many superstorms and record high temperature months do we need to experience to get us to admit that the evidence is not still out on this? And if we don't change our path dramatically, we are going to die. But we can't seem to get the needle out of our arm when it comes to oil and natural gas. America needs an intervention, and if we could face our problems and deal with them, our incredible ingenuity could surely save us to some extent. But we've got to have the will to stop first. Anyway, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I just wanted to thank you for sharing that perspective from Ishmael with your listeners, for all the great work you do on the podcast. You make listening to the news actually tolerable for the most part. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So the last voicemail I just played with the woman asking you know, why people have to fight against their governments or other people just to try to save their own species from climate change got me thinking about an issue that I, I would love to talk about. I you know, thought about it a little bit, heard about it a little while ago. But for the life of me, I cannot remember what it's called, and I cannot Google the right sequence of keywords to, to find it. So I'm hoping that since I have an audience full of geniuses, that someone can help me out, because almost always someone does uh, in a situation like this. So what I'm looking for is something almost certainly related to the Fermi paradox, uh, somewhere related to the great filter. If you know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about, and, and the idea basically is a, a theory that tries to explain the apparent paradox of the statistical likelihood that there is intelligent life elsewhere in the galaxy or extended universe, and yet the fact that we have not apparently made contact with any of them. And, uh, you know, so there are a few theories out there that try to explain why, you know, if there is intelligent life elsewhere in the universe, why haven't they become intelligent enough to colonize essentially the entire uh, area, including our planet? So the theory that I cannot remember the name of and would like to read up on more is the one that basically says that 
the evolution of a species follows, uh, you know, a very particular course, uh, you know, as, as just by its very nature, a species will evolve to the point where it is capable of destroying itself, such as with, you know, huge nuclear weapons or with, you know, expanding to the point where industry is, is so intense that it starts to change the uh, atmosphere, such as with climate change. And, um, and so a, a species will develop to the point where it's capable of destroying itself before it develops to the point of being able to prevent itself from destroying itself. And so the theory goes then that there are no, you know, although there are intelligent life forms elsewhere in the universe, there's there's this sort of chasm that they have to jump across that, you know, if you get to the point where you're capable of destroying yourself, then you've, you've hit the beginning of the danger zone and you have to develop as a species even further to get past the danger zone where you get to the point where you can destroy yourself, but you won't. <laughs> and, and the theory would then go that, you know, it's not incredibly likely for a species to uh, get to the point of being able to, de to destroy itself and yet not destroy itself. And that's why there aren't any hyper intelligent species out there and they haven't colonized uh, the entire galaxy and, you know, come to visit us and tell us the ways of the, of the universe. But that is just a very broad sort of concept of the idea that I think I'm remembering right, but would like to uh, look up and, and talk about in more detail. So if you know what I'm talking about and you can send me a link to that, please uh, send me a note through the website. That would be greatly appreciated. So until then, that is it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to everyone uh, for supporting the show. For those who uh, support by becoming a member and or making donations to the show, that is absolutely what keeps the show going. You can stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. It's just a fun thing.